Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am the editor in chief and analyst for Imperial Esports, and welcome to a very special edition of the Rough drafts podcast we've been previewing this for a while for you guys this has been an interview that i have been trying to work on since somewhere between october and november it's two guys that i've wanted to talk to and kind of get a handle on things because they've had very interesting careers and are about to embark on a very interesting playoff series in the challenger series coming up and this is aaron bishu kim and kevin kezjian from team dragon knights how are you guys doing oh Oh, good thanks (laughs) It's great to have you guys on the show. Obviously, both of you have had very different paths to getting to this team. And I want to start with you, Bishu, because you started as a streamer. That was kind of where you got your your first notoriety, where you started making headlines on Reddit and things like that. So when was the moment that you realized that you were starting to become a thing, being popular and kind of hitting that internet zeitgeist? And what was that like for you? Um... I don't know. It kind of happened really naturally, I guess. Uh, I mean, I just wanted to, I just wanted to, you know, show how how people could play Nidalee. and it was like fun, like getting, um, just like talking to other pros. And I, I guess I just got uh, naturally over time gained some fans. But uh, I, I didn't really try to become a professional gamer at all until like a few years into streaming. It's <laughs> I just want to, uh, at that point, even though, you know, like people were saying, oh, we can just play Nidalee. But at, at that point, I was like, oh, I kind of want to prove myself. I kind of want to show something that, you know, I'm just not a Nidalee one trick pony. Mm-hmm. And that was support main. Yeah, no, it, it, which is a very interesting transition, if nothing else. Obviously, you bounced around a lot of teams trying to get into the LCS for a while. There were a few different challenger teams. The legendary challenger team is always the one that stands out to me, where you guys looked like such a powerful thing, and it's something like paperwork is the reason that never got off the ground. What was that experience like for you? What is it like to kind of you know find all these different teams that all looked great on paper and, and never quite came together the way that people were expecting? I mean, I feel like... Oh, I mean, obviously, League of Legends is a team game. It really doesn't matter mm-hmm. how good like one or two, or all these individual players are, unless they can synergize. I, I feel like a really uh, like an average team or like maybe like a uh, below average mechanically um, team can probably be a really high mechanical, but like team that isn't really synergized. I guess mm-hmm. originally I wanted to keep trying, but there was a Unfortunately, I had to take a break in between, obviously, because uh, mm-hmm. I originally thought I was going to give up and just go back to college. But uh, turns out playing competitively is pretty fun. And <laughs> I guess at that point, I just wanted to just keep trying no matter what team I was on. Didn't really, I don't think it really affected me that much. <laughs> but it was, it was really fun playing with all these other players with different play styles. Yeah, it helps when you can enjoy the process. You know, obviously, <laughs> if you have that you know, love of what it is that you're doing, you can kind of find a way to power through. And and this is where I kind of turn to you, Kez, because you were a part of one of the more interesting teams I've ever seen at an LCS level with that complexity team that had seemed that you guys had so much fun with the whole Bubba Dub thing going on, probably obviously being kind of his own character. And you guys had a lot of popularity, even as the team wasn't necessarily bringing in wins the way you guys probably would have liked. What was that experience like? Just that kind of balance of, you know, having this fan base, having all this excitement around you guys while still trying to figure out everything behind the scenes. By honestly speaking, like, a lot of people thought 
complexity as like a really like fun guy, like chill guys. Mm-hmm. Like everyone seemed really chill. Like everyone looked friendly on the team, but that's not like that wasn't the reality within the team. Like we weren't. I mean, we were friends. Me and probably were really close, but. Like we weren't really like that friendly together, all together. <clears throat> like we fought a lot, a lot of times while we were like screaming when, when we lose. <laughs> like there was a lot of like fights, like heated discussions and stuff. So it's not really like how fans like perceive a team. <laughs> like when it comes to like all they see is like just like broadcasts on LCS and like just like funny interviews on the stage. And, like, fans just, like, make up their own, like, portraits and personalities of a player. And it's, a lot of times, it's, I feel like it's really um not true. It, and, yeah. Yeah, it is funny. You know, the internet will always try to jump to conclusions and fill in the void wherever yeah. they find one. And and that team in particular, I think a lot of it had to do with how comebacky if for lack of a better phrase a lot of your wins were you know it'd be these massive swings against teams that people wouldn't expect and you know the, it's fun to assign the storyline to it but obviously that the storyline is not always reality and yeah. i think it's it's very interesting to see what happens when the storyline and reality are kind of forced to merge and this was something both of you experienced with the first iteration of tdk where mm-hmm. obviously you guys had a team that you had several players that were supposed to be there for the first half of the split. And yeah. unfortunately, due to visa issues, Emperor and, and Ninja were not there. And that's where Bichu, you got to step up and, and be a part <laughs> of this team and hit that LCS stage for a couple games. And so at this point, this is really where the storyline and all of the behind the scenes stuff kind of meets. And, and what is that like? What is it, you know, how do you deal with these kinds of you know, behind the scenes issues being made so public and just trying to keep this team afloat while all of these things are being dealt with and all of these different uh, priorities need to be balanced. I mean, I feel like, well, if you're a player and uh, you're going to spend all these time like being pressured by what Reddit's saying or or anything, or whatever the fans saying. <laughs> so I think it's just um, better. Uh, or our mental health, I guess, <laughs> to just uh, find our own business and just being the best player we can, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, well, Kez, how about you then? Because you were a starter on this team. You were always you stuck through this for the entire time. You know when Ninja and Emperor came back. So, what was it like playing the first half of the season, knowing that such a you know fundamental part of what you guys had been trying to build wasn't there, and then having to try to transition mid-season and, and integrate these guys into your roster with very little time to do so. I mean, it was really frustrating. Like, the thing is, like, there, there was nothing we could do. And actually, it was... Under Reddit, a lot of people found this as a... like They thought it was really bad for us, too, that we couldn't have the full roster through the season. And that really helped me a lot. Like, I saw a really good and helpful comments on Reddit, actually. <laughs> and it kind of like cheered me up because they're all saying like, "Oh, they could be, they could have been so much better if you actually had the full roster from the start of the season, <laughs> like that kind of stuff." Yeah. And I mean, like the thing was, 
we, there was nothing we could really do because it was like a government government issue with the with the like visas visas right. and stuff, and it's like out of our reach. Like we can't do anything. So yeah. I wasn't really. I mean, I was sad that we couldn't win any games, but I wasn't like really devastated. Yeah, and and that's understandable, you know. Just given, you know, there's there's nothing you can do about. It. There's that sense of helplessness there, which is something I've talked about on the podcast. I had visa issues getting over to where I am right now, and the whole thing—it's infuriating for the people over there that need you. It's infuriating for the people who who are stuck waiting, just hoping that they can finally get over there and get their life started. And you know, Bisha, you kind of get thrown into this as as this <laughs> substitute to try to to keep things afloat. What is what is that like, kind of being put in the situation that obviously you could not have prepared for, especially given that very, you know, the, it hadn't been very far removed from you making the decision to retire from competitive play. So what was what was that whole thing like for you, just on an emotional level? Uh, well, to be honest, at the time, I wasn't really practicing that much. I was still, like, mainly playing solo queue. I was uh, just going to college, doing my own thing, and that what... And it was like it was it was an emergency sub situation, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I was first I was kind of surprised. I was like, oh wow, I was I was given this cool offer, but at at the same time I was uh, wondering if I should decline because mm-hmm. I, I I don't I didn't think I would be a good substitute just because I haven't been practicing at all for a while now. And but uh, you, you know I really wanted to try it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe maybe so maybe um. I, I still feel bad that we couldn't get any wins when I was subbing with Latman and Baby, but I—I uh, I mean, I was—I guess I was—I felt I felt like oh, we could—we probably won't be able to win, but you know, I—I I really like this team, so I wanted to do—I wanted to perform as best as I could, but obviously that didn't happen. I was a little upset, but um, you know, I—I I still feel like uh, maybe someone else could have done a better job. But hmm, I guess I, I guess I kind of feel bad now, now that I'm actually on the team. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously it worked out for you because they they liked you enough to bring you back on. Now that they've kind of built this this challenger team, and and that's been kind of an interesting process in its own right because you've had to make you've both kind of had to make very different transitions. And I, I want to talk to you a little bit first, Kez, because. Obviously, yours, uh, Bishu, is a much more pronounced one. But, you know, given the way that the meta changed in Season 6 and, and some of the criticism you've gotten over your career, you know, there have been people on, on Reddit and on Twitter who have kind of called you a ward bot in the past. You know, that's something that, that people have talked about. And now that, you know, Vision's changed and the game has just changed so much, yeah. you know, how did you take that and use it to help improve as far as, you know who you are now as a player and what you've been able to do for this iteration of this Dragon Knights team. Well, I mean, like metas, they like, come and go. It's it's how league works. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like when when Sejuani, when the, all the tanks were tank junglers were really good, and there was a time when we couldn't really have the full roster. I think that was the last season in the LCS, and like that time, I think I I, I was playing really well with the, all the tank. Tank junglers, because that's my strength. I I can like ward a lot, and just try to play safe and just snowball off that. Mm-hmm. But right now the meta has changed, shifted where all the aggressive like junglers can carry the games really well. Mm-hmm. And like I'm not saying I'm I just ward all the time, 
but I mean, I try to be aggressive too. It's just I fit better with like tanky junglers who can like just protect your AD carry with their support. And I think it's just a different playstyle. And yeah. Yeah. It's something that I think a lot of Reddit and maybe the internet in general, I should say, so I don't specifically target one group, but <laughs> it's hard to understand because you don't see the value of award until you've really started analyzing film and you've really started to see, you know, what that vision allowed you to do across the map. So when you can be that guy, you it's a big help to your team because that's information that you can use to make plays, but it doesn't put you in a highlight reel, which is yeah. how a lot of people will kind of make decisions. And I think that one of the things that's been nice about watching your career evolve as, as far as I'm concerned is that you have become more efficient and you are doing more for this team than just adding the vision while still allowing that part of your game to be the kind of core you build around, which I think is something that has carved an identity that, you know, is something you need. You know, every team needs someone that they can rely upon to do a particular job. And Bishu, your job, at least in how you you view this game, has obviously changed quite a bit because you oh, went yeah. from being a mid laner to a support, which is obviously a, a very different kind of position. I think other than high, I'm trying to think about who in the competitive scene has really made that transition in a in a pronounced way. But what has that transition been like for you? And does this mean that the support in Italy that haunts solo queue is coming out <laughs> at some point? Um let, let me let, let me just first say support in Italy is never gonna happen. That <laughs> sucks that support now. It's it's quite unfortunate. Um, but uh um the transition was ex- uh, I, I think it was like really fucking hard. <laughs> I'm not sure oops <laughs> Okay, I'm not sure if no, I was... You're absolutely allowed to curse. Not, Don't but, worry about it. All right, okay. I probably won't do it again, but <laughs> it, was, it was it was really hard. Um, I guess maybe... I'm not sure if it's because support is just uh, harder than mid or just because uh, I've been playing mid for like three, four years only and just kind of playing a role that I've never played before that requires a lot of uh, just um, hmm, map awareness, I guess, and the game awareness. Mm-hmm. It... Whereas uh, when I was playing mid, I could just focus more on myself and it's like, oh shit, how am I going to do more damage? I think as much damage as I can possible. So it's it's just, it was just, um, it was a long procedure where I had to change my entire thought process. And I still do it. I hit, I see a support and I hit them for absolutely no reason. Like, it's not <laughs> like I'm going to do any damage to them. It doesn't apply that much pressure. I just hit them. And, and, and I sometimes get caught doing that too. It's pretty terrible. Uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, the transition itself was pretty hard. Um, I'm pretty glad that at least we have a really good coach that helped me transition well, though. Yeah, you know, first of all, I think Doa would very much approve of your supportal combat. So you've at least <laughs> got his support with that. But, you know, it, it is interesting. Uh, you, you know, you bring up the coach there. What what was your coach able to do as far as easing this transition for you? Because this is something I, I think a lot of fans don't really understand how this transition has to take place and and how a coach can really guide you in that sense. So what was that like, if you don't mind giving a little bit more detail on that? Well, uh, initially, I, I mean, I've had coaches before, but I've never really had like a dedicated coach before, like a full-time coach. So when I first joined the team, I wasn't sure what I, what I should be expecting. But uh, uh, <laughs> uh, he basically taught me how to do everything because I didn't know how to do anything. 
In fact, he was he was actually pretty against uh, me changing uh, like swapping my role because uh, it was gonna. It's just like being a support player requires a lot of knowledge in general. Mm-hmm. So um, he was pretty against it, but eventually, uh, I guess it worked because he taught me like everything, <laughs> all the small things like warding positions, um, like the basics of the lane, what I should be doing, like uh, learning how to make calls. Even though even though I still need improvements in all um, departments uh, like he still te- he still taught me everything yeah and shot calling is actually something I- I'm glad I have both of you on to talk about because jungle and support are kind of seen as the traditional places in which shot calling can occur so I'll, I'll start with you guys how do you balance shot calling on this team because every team handles it differently and it's kind of I think it says a lot about the team how they handle it so what has been your approach on this team mm. Normally, I prefer I don't I don't really like one to say one person shotgunning the whole game. Mm-hmm. I feel like I mean if the shotgun is like as good as like I guess high, then it could be okay. But I pre- personally I prefer like five people all doing the shotgunning, like all giving information together and deciding what to do together. Mm-hmm. I think that's better, better in some ways. I mean, that's there's like that. Good things and bad things and everything, but personally, I think that's better because, like, if if five people all come to the same conclusion after talking with each other during the game, it just like the the decision is a lot better than just like one person juggling because it it can be it can be sighted when one or like two people just do the juggling because they only see their point of view. Yeah, and and how does that compare to teams you've been on in the past? Is this something that you've tried to? kind of instill and work with wherever you've gone? Or is this something that has been a, a TDK kind of style that you guys have adapted? Oh, well, when I when I first joined Complexity, I was actually the main shot caller because I was really confident at the time in my shot calling. And my teammates actually followed it really well too. I think that's one of the reasons why we were doing really well when I first joined complexity like really like first first games but i think i'm just trying to change it so people everyone just talks together talk together and then yeah just do all the shocklings all together yeah and 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 as you said bishu this has kind of been a new side of things for you so how has that helped you grow as a player as you've gotten used to this you know more shot collie you know coordinating with the team role than you've had in the past? Well, it kind of forced me to learn how to, how the game flows, first mm-hmm. of all. I mean, I'm still, they're still confusing. I think it's it'll always be confusing at least a little bit, but uh, just, I guess, um, looking back, I didn't really know how, how the dynamics of the game went before. I just knew how to kind of snowball off of leads, but um, just like learning to read the game and making the right call or or even making like a slightly worse call, but just um, not hesitating. Like all those things mm-hmm. are the, um, I guess, like the basics we need to keep. But once once you're in the game, uh, I guess, I, I guess it's, pre- it's still pretty hard. 
Hey, Internet, just want to take a quick break from this interview to remind you guys of our great sponsor, Vibby.com. Vibby is the place to go if you don't have any sort of video producing knowledge and you want to make highlight videos of your favorite moments in the competitive scene with streamers, literally anything you can think of. Just put in the timestamps and it will edit your highlights together accordingly and create a video you can share with your friends on social media. Hey, even sometimes on team pages that are specific designed to highlight all of the people that you care about as far as the scene goes. So go ahead and enjoy that today. Sign up on Vibby.com and get started on creating some awesome highlight videos of your own. Now, back to the interview. It's uh, the chaos that you can see. I mean, I've only been watching scrims with the Imperial team for a week, but the chaos of all of this in the heat of the moment can be quite difficult to keep up with until you kind of get a handle on what each person needs and how you can bounce off of it, which is why I want to ask you guys about the start of this split with TDK. Uh, because obviously you were working with you know, a lot of Korean players. How did that affect communication? Because now you're including multiple languages all trying to work together and make sure that everyone's on the same page. So what was that process like trying to adapt to that situation? Well, right now it's it's a little it's a little difficult getting used to it because um we've obviously had a uh, roster with like two new players mm-hmm. and it's just I guess um there uh, it's like we have a nice honeymoon effect going on right now mm-hmm. but just, um having Kez and I uh, me and Kez just trying to translate all, uh all the time and just trying to get everyone on the same page has been a little difficult. I, I feel like it'll it'll be better over time, but um, right now it's it's definitely uh, making us more slow and like having like delayed actions just because uh, we need to get everyone on the same page, and <clears throat> that just means I need to probably repeat it, repeat an order like twice more. Or just like thinking about it, or like, and I'm, well, I'm, well, I'm like trying to this uh, time with the summoner, the blah blah blah. <laughs> it, <laughs> it gets a little confusing. At the beginning of the season, you guys, as an as a team that could speak all Korean, I think that's something that very few teams can say. How did that change the way you guys viewed the game and in the way that you guys kind of approach things? Because that's a you know a very different. Every region kind of has their own meta, has their own views on how the game should be played. And how did you guys manage to to balance these two different metas coming together in this way? Well, I, I definitely think speaking Korean is... I just think the language itself is a lot more direct than English and any other language. So it's just a lot concise and quicker to just like say things in like really desperate situations. And like, it's just the language itself is a lot better. Like hmm. that's just all I can say about it. <laughs> like, you you take you have to say like a phrase like okay. So you want to communicate one thing with English, you would have to say in like two or three phrases. Mm-hmm. But in Korean, you can just say one word, like that kind of stuff. So it's just a lot better communication wise if you can just speak all Korean. That kind of efficiency there in language, I hadn't even thought about it from that perspective. Because yeah, because I can I can speak both language fluently, mm-hmm. and that's just how I felt from the beginning. Like whenever I say something in English, I'd be like, I'd be thinking to myself, "Damn, I, like if I just spoke this in Korean, I can just say <laughs> explain this in like one second, <laughs> or in like one word." 
<laughs> so, so you would say that because you have that that Korean language, you, you found this to be an an easier and more um, you know more direct way of communicating than probably teams you've played with in the past. So then, then my question has to be: What leads you guys to the decisions that that you've now made as far as switching up this kind of synergy for? Uh, a very different looking roster now with with Alex Itch and and Flares all and RF Legendary all now kind of moving into significant positions on this team. Well, I'd say something wasn't really clicking within the team, and we just had to make some changes to the team that to see if like things were going to work well for us. Mm-hmm. And I think there is some hope and good things happening right now. So I think the change was, I wouldn't say uh, necessary, but we kind of needed something different, I guess. Yeah. And, and, you know, for people on the outside, you know, this is another one of those things that the internet loves to speculate on because they only see these big names that were playing before that are now going on to Renegades and the Renegades players moving over. So... You know, Bishu, when you know, what is it that if you could say anything to you know fans who just don't understand why these moves would be made, especially this late into the Challenger series, what would your response be? Hmm, I, I I'm not sure what I what I should say because like it's they're both the both teams have been pretty okay. It's it's just like um slightly more uncomfortable, I guess, just because we need to speak like a different language. Mm-hmm. But in terms of gameplay, I, I think it's um as long as we get used to it pretty quickly, and I think it's coming along decently. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't matter too much, I believe at least. <laughs> How does this decision happen? I know you guys are players, so obviously you're not the ones who ultimately make all of these decisions. But obviously, I, I'm assuming your your input was included on these things and and given how late it is in the season it's there aren't very many instances we can kind of point to of changes like this happening so late in a split so what what are the factors that kind of come in as as you're thinking about what this team needs and how you guys are going to be in the best place to hopefully fight your way into the LCS stage oh you want to get that kiss cuz uh, uh, i guess i i'm hmm. I really wasn't sure. Like, I, I guess I didn't mind, but uh, I, I was always down. I was just like down to try something new. So that was my input. <laughs> Fair enough. What about you, Kes? I think breath of fresh new air, or like we. Okay, like me, Surf, and Ninja have been playing together for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, even though we didn't really have a lot of LCS games played together. Like we played with each other for a while mm-hmm. now and I think the one of the thing one of the biggest things about this roster change was that um we couldn't use Ninja until the playoffs finals. Mm-hmm. And like all the synergy we built together, like we couldn't use it. So I guess those one of the reasons why, why we had to make this rust change. And the other issue, I'd say, would be... I think we need 
Wait, I I think I needed like more motiv- motivation and confidence going into this playoffs, mm-hmm. challenger playoffs, and yeah, I think this roster change. I'm not saying like it's gonna help me with that department, but we just need to try something new. Yeah, it 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 breathes some some new energy when obviously when you make a move like this, and yeah. you know when you look at how you guys did in the challenger series, it was a five and five overall. Um, you guys uh, went one, three, and one. Was that what you guys were expecting? Did you expect to be around that kind of middle of the pack area, or was this something that was, you know, uh, something that you guys had to struggle with and work through as a team throughout the the regular season? Well, I kind of expected this result as soon as I realized Ninja wasn't going to be able to play mm-hmm. until the playoffs finals, because like. Like even though you get like subs for a team, like one, it's only five per- five players playing on a team. Like having one player change is so huge. Mm-hmm. It's like more than twenty percent. Like it's a mid laner too. Yeah. Like if you think about it, in a game like League of Legends, where mid lane is like so much, so much, so so important. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of gap is just unfeelable. And and so now it gets to where we are now. And obviously you, you have Alexic as the new mid laner. You're going to figure out exactly who your top laner is going to be. I don't think it's been formally announced yet. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, yeah. So you're still sorting these things out. But, you know, Bishu, I'll ask you, what are the things that the core of this team, which is still fundamentally in place, what are those things that you think you guys have – Learn from or are going to try to apply most as you head into these playoffs? Mm, I guess it would be. Um, I'm not sure. We've been we've been trying we've been trying uh, several tactics to see which would fit our color. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I think anything would work as long as we were able to get our communication issue down like, as soon as possible. Because uh, whatever whatever we're trying to do right now, it's like like I said, it's like slightly delayed. So we're just not sure which what kind of playstyle would fit us like um, very well. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, no, so that's that's the process that you guys are going through, and unfortunately, there aren't a lot of days to do it. You guys are playing uh, Team Ember, a team that obviously uh, got a lot of publicity for themselves, if nothing else, uh, earlier on this uh, in the preseason. Uh, you guys are playing them on March eighth. This is obviously mm-hmm. a very big series for you guys. This is a series that you have to win if you're going to be in the summer promotion. What are you guys trying to do, both you know, from an, uh, a mental standpoint and from a, a gameplay standpoint, to try to make sure that you're as ready as possible for this very important series? Well, I feel like there's really nothing much we can um, do aside from just practice and obviously bringing our A game. Because mm-hmm. um, no matter how... Well, I want to put the situation like we we really don't have that much time, mm-hmm. so it it's you just it just depends on how fast we can uh, just get used to each other and get our get our uh, issues fixed as soon as possible. And and Kez, you've talked about uh, about confidence with that. So what is so what is this process for you as you you prepare for this game that obviously is go- is going to need to have everyone on that you know mental level you know operating on all cylinders? What are what are you hoping to do to make sure that you can play to your best ability in this series? What would I do? <laughs> I'm not really sure. Like we, I've never been like nervous on stage, even like 
from the get-go. So, I mean, being confident is not afraid to make any plays. I don't know. <laughs> I've never done anything like particularly special before important games to boost my confidence. You don't have a LeBron James style like throwing the chalk up in the <laughs> air or something? No, I just... <laughs> <laughs> not really. Fair, fair, fair enough. Well, I do have to ask, Obviously, Alex Hitch is the new mid laner, uh, a guy who has made a name for himself, to say the least, within the League of Legends scene. What has it been like now having him on this roster and, and, and trying to incorporate him into this team, just given the veteran presence that he brings to this roster? Well, I've played with him before when he boosted TDK into LCS. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because I don't really like the term at all, but of people on Reddit are they think it's funny. <laughs> anyway, um, I played with him before. I think he's a great mid laner. Like mm-hmm. he's really experienced and really genuinely nice mm-hmm. and really cool guy to be with. And I'm really happy to play with him on my side again. Yeah. I th- and I think it's gonna do great. Like he never disappointed me mm-hmm. in any place so when I play with him. And, and that's the thing about a guy like him. He's just been in the league long enough. It's very adaptable. Whatever you guys end up deciding to do for your new identity as you sort the rest of this out, it's something where he's going to fill his role and it's something that you guys can kind of depend on. So I guess we got to close with the obvious question here. How do you guys see this whole tournament ending out? Where where do you stand at the end of the Challenger Series Spring Playoffs? Hmm... I don't want to jinx anything, but I think we're still in good condition. Like I think we're still in good track. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> I don't want to say anything more because I know I'm going to jinx it if I say anything more. <laughs> hey, as as a Rocket fan, this split I 100 percent understand not wanting to jinx <laughs> anything. But Kez, what about you? Where do you where do you see this ending up for you guys? Um, personally, I don't really like try to like guess where I'm going to be in the future. I just I just like do whatever I have right now and just see how the outcome goes. So I don't really know how it's gonna be, but I'm I'm not I'm I'm pretty confident going into this playoff. I don't think I'm gonna do really bad to the point where I'm just gonna get bashed and ready over and over <laughs> again. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, well, you know that's, that's just my personal goal. Not yeah. Yeah, well, uh, good luck with that. As someone yeah. who uh, who once predicted CLG would go sixth in the preseason and, and got the wrath of a thousand angry gods <laughs> from them, uh, I, I, you know, good luck with the internet. But uh, but good luck in the series more specifically. Uh, I'm obviously uh, hoping for the best for you guys. Um, it's always really fun to see what you guys can do when operating at your best. There have been glimpses of that I think throughout the split, and, I, and I'm hoping that this new Fresh blood, as you guys said, helps bring you to it. Is there anything you guys want to say to the fans before we uh, we head on out? Um, I guess thanks for continuing to root for us despite all these changes over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope I hope we can bring the results for our fans. Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you. We needed we needed uh, we needed at least uh, one, one meme to meet our quotient one here. Meme. So thank you guys both so much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on and talking to me here on, on the podcast. Where can people find you on 
social media if they want to keep up with everything you guys are doing. If you if you are if you're down for some shit posts, you can follow me on um, at Bishu LOL on Twitter. <laughs> I think mine is hashtag Arena Kids. I think. <laughs> but I'm not really sure. <laughs> so you can look me up. Oh, oh, shoot. Mine changed too, actually. It's Arena beat you now. Well, hey, at least now it's easier to find. Um, so, yeah, that is so, true. Uh, Arena Bishu and, uh, and Arena Kez. Go follow both those guys. Follow me at RedShirtKing on Twitter. And follow the podcast if you go to SoundCloud.com slash EsportsRoughDrafts or go on iTunes and subscribe to the Rough Drafts podcast. You'll be sure to get all of the interviews and, and week-by-week preview podcasts that we do uh, as we go on through. Thank you guys so much once again for coming on the no show. No problem. And uh, come back on Wednesday if you want to hear us. Uh, Walter and I will be back to break down the European LCS. And until next time, goodbye, Internet. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>